Hey guys, how's everybody doing? Welcome to episode 53 of the Bass Lessons Melbourne Player Profile Podcast. My name is Craig. Um, I've been a bit slack, to be honest, with um, posting these podcasts. But um, as I think I said last time, uh, I am a new father. And um, I'm sure those of you who are um, parents will uh, know what that entails. Actually, as I'm recording this intro, I have my son in a little carrier strapped around my chest and I'm bouncing him up and down trying to get him to be relaxed and chill. So my apologies, um, I am trying to pump these out um, as often as I can, but you just need to bear with me if there's some gaps in the uh, scheduled programming. But this episode is uh, one that I didn't really ever think I would get. Um, It's with Felix Pastorius. Yes, that Pastorius. Um, he was in town a few, maybe two months ago, with uh, Cindy Blackman Santana, and um, I sent him a bunch of messages and didn't hear from him. But um, it turns out it was just uh, some crossed wires in the technological world. And eventually, he got back to me, and we managed to um, lock in this interview for his last. I think it was pretty much his last day in Melbourne, and um, it was just a blast to to hang out with Felix, he's an incredible bass player, um, uh, just, yeah, scary good. <laughs> um, I went to see the, the show and, and was thoroughly inspired and impressed. So it was great to kind of see him play um, close up, we had a little jam, um, which you can check it out on YouTube. If you haven't checked out the Bass Lessons Melbourne YouTube channel, then I uh, suggest you jump on over there at some point and um, check out all the, the videos that are up there. There's a whole bunch of interviews up there. This this interview will be up there in video format. And there's a few of the jams as well that I've done. So um, it was really cool to speak with Felix about his upbringing, um, about his philosophy on playing and a whole bunch of different things. Um, yeah, and just to kind of, you know, hang out and hear his, his side of the story. Um, he also came to my gig, which was slightly terrifying. <laughs> but uh, I am I'm very grateful that he took time out to to come and hear me play with my band Pickpocket, which you're listening to right now. So, um, not much more introduction needed, I don't think, for Felix. But um, I will give a quick shout out to the sponsors of this podcast, FBase, um, who've been handcrafting guitars and basses for over 40 years and they can make vintage and modern inspired designs for you. Check them out at www.fbase.com. So, without further ado, um, I present to you Felix Pastorius.
Hey guys, how's everybody doing? This is Craig from Bass Lessons Melbourne and today for our player profile interview I'm joined by Mr. Felix Pistorius. Hello everyone. Hey, it's great to have you here, man. Thank you so much for having me, Craig. Appreciate Such, you taking And time. so early too on a Sunday, I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> it, sometimes it's good to get up and it's yeah. going to be a nice day. It is going to be a beautiful day. So, yeah. get out and enjoy the sun. Absolutely. That's my um, plan. This isn't your first time in Melbourne? It isn't my first time in Melbourne. Um, what, uh, what brings you back this time? I, um, I was here in September and within like um, within a month after booking my first opportunity to come here which I was so excited to do uh, um, I got a call from Cindy Blackman Santana mm -hmm. and um, she said that she had an offer to maybe come out to Australia I was like yes absolutely let's do it and I was really excited to have be able to do it within six months come back here yeah and to see both the I guess cold ish time that it wasn't really that cold it was beautiful back then yeah. also September and then summertime as well and yeah. Uh, yeah we did a week over at Bird's Basement and um, it was it was a lot of fun Zakai Curtis on piano mm. a railing booty neck on uh, on guitar and yeah we we've been playing for off and on for 10 years and it had been a minute since I'd played with Cindy so it was a lot of fun just get together again the band was back together again rehearsals <laughs> Uh, kind of. We didn't do anything in the States. We got here, we did a load-in sound check rehearsal. Right. Yeah. And, um, because it's, it's a fun show. Yeah. It's a cool show. Like, wh what's the kind of musical framework, so to speak? Like, where does that come from and how does it work? So the majority of, well, it's, we're, we're really up there just, you know, we're following her direction. Cindy, mm -hmm. ha Cindy has, uh, you know, the fairly prominent voice on the drums and she has an idea that she's looking for mm -hmm. and we just try to as as a band as you know the guys she hires and as her friends <laughs> try to support her as much as possible i mean a lot of it you know uh contextually i guess it would be coming from more of like a tony williams lifetime type of thing mm -hmm. a little more aggressive you know harder jazz stuff that was going on during that time period yeah. um and yeah, we all just kind of try to fill roles that make sense within that within that music and with what she's doing yeah. on the drums. But it's it's wide open too. She, it's it's kind of whatever we want to do. But I think we're trying to aim towards that kind of stuff. You know, I'd say that's that definitely sounds like that's yeah. the, the vibe that's happening. Yeah. And um, how did you how did you kind of connect with Cindy in the first place? Yeah, Cindy, um, she was actually my first gig uh, when I moved to New York, uh, my first opportunity to gig outside of New York, mm. which was great. Um, I did it. I made it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was um, actually 
funny enough, I was just talking about this last night. Um, um, I moved to New York and I bumped into this photographer that I, I, I know from being on the road in, um, in and around, I can't remember where I met him, Asheville, I think. Oh yeah, it was Asheville, it was Zambieland, I think. Um, where, sorry? It was, it's a Zamb- it was called Zambieland Jam. It's this thing um, that uh, hosted by Jeff Sipe from Aquarium Rescue Unit, the drummer. Okay. And it's just this, it, they don't do it anymore. I don't know the last time they did it, but it was basically this free for all with a bunch of musicians. And it was kind of, it was crazy. Tons of musicians on stage and a lot of fun. Yeah. And the, you know, O'Teal and Kofi and the Wootens and uh, Mike Gordon and okay. just lots of random, who knows who's going to be there. Guys are good at jamming. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it might be five bassists on stage and who <laughs> knows, but yeah. Um, then everyone leaves. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so that's where I met Michael Weintraub, photographer, and he knew I was in New York and he was like, I'm working on this, on this, uh, book, this, uh, my first, you know, main publication of my photos. And it was this idea where he replaces the head with the instruments it's called okay. instrument head it's a really great book okay, actually okay. yeah it's great and he got a lot of you know known musicians and he found very clever unique ways to position their instruments in front of their face right. so some of them are doing different things with their hands and it's a really cool thing concept anyways i was like great yeah of course i'll come by and i went to his, his studio loft area space in williamsburg and a saxophonist was there jay rodriguez uh that it is a family friend, mm-hmm. but we had never really hung, and we were like, "Oh shit, you know, like this is great. We get to meet and and um, and he was like, "Man, I got this gig. You might be perfect for." And literally, it was like my first month there. I couldn't believe it. And Cindy was on the drums, and we kept in contact. And next thing you know, she was taking me on. On I think, I think our first gig was actually a one-off. It was in Philly at the museum, but yeah, it's been great. So it. It's not a whole lot of gigs over the last 10 years, but when mm. we do to get together, we have a lot of fun. We've done some tours in Europe, and yeah, it's yeah. special. She's great, a wonderful band leader. Yeah, yeah. we got, got that impression yeah. at the gig. Yeah. <clears throat> how old were you when you moved to New York? Oh man, how old am I now? Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think we're similar age, uh, 80, yeah, 82. You're 17 also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'll be 37 in in June. So, um, uh, yeah, I guess I was 27. It was April of 09. Yeah. Ten years ago. Yeah. Anniversary. Yeah. Thanks. Oof, I made it that long in <laughs> living in New York. I've always loved New York. I've been going to New York since I was a kid. My mom started taking my brother and I there when we were like little kids. Like 87 was my first time in from New York. Florida. From Florida. Yeah. 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 And I've always loved New York, and I always love going there and experiencing the music and the mm. art and the food and the people, and um, mm. uh, yeah, and not having to go to bed early. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can't tell me what to do, Mom. <laughs> We're in New York. What are you talking about? <laughs> Never sleep. Exactly. Uh, and what prompted that move in the first place? I, I trying to get more serious about playing music. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny. I have throughout my 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 life and career, I guess, as a musician, um, I have these points where I always feel like, okay, now I'm taking it serious. Okay, now I'm really gonna take. You know, now I've made it. <laughs> now I'm on the. Well, line. not necessarily made it, but now I'm really gonna try to you know 
work at it, you know, and, okay. and focus and, you know, and put myself in the, in the fire or whatever, yep. you know, whatever analogy or term you want to use. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I had a lot of great opportunities to play music growing up and I don't turn any of that down, but I also never went to school and I never had a teacher. And for me, I, you know, I know that I spent a lot of time maybe doing too much, you know, messing around and not focusing enough. Which is okay. We all we all can do that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's all there's nothing wrong with it. But it's it all has to filter into how you sound. Well, and not only that, but also I have to mean it, or you ha- you have to want it and mean it. If mm. for me, it's like if I wasn't willing, there's no reason for me to force myself, or also feel bad about the fact that I maybe didn't fulfill something in terms of how much practice or how much work or anything I put into. Because if I didn't want it back then, then what was the point? Exactly. You know? Yeah. So um, yeah. At one point, I had I had moved back to Florida. I was spending some time on the West Coast, and I moved back to Florida, and I was playing in a couple different projects, and I just found myself not really feeling great about not the projects themselves, but With where I was musically and trajectory. yeah, exactly opportunities. Right, that's right. And I was like, yeah, you know, I tried to move to New York when I was like twenty four, mm-hmm. and we stayed like for a month maybe and ended up just driving around the country and being a 24 year old you know and do you still feel a little bit like you're 24 <laughs> i do yeah, i mean until i look at the in the mirror <laughs> yeah, that's about until it until you wake up the next morning yeah and my back is hurting and my knees <laughs> hurt and i go and try to play sports with my ne- my nephews and nieces and they just whoop my butt and everything you know and i feel really old um but uh yeah, and then it was just like, you know, I'm in Florida and um, it's great to be back home and it's great to be around uh, family and friends, but musically, this isn't necessarily, mm. you know, I'm not going to have, and especially, it's changed a lot. Miami's gotten a lot better. South Florida's gotten a lot better within the last 10 years. Somehow I leave and it gets better. I don't know. Maybe I was holding Florida back. Maybe no, that's no. <laughs> All of a sudden there's a ground up. He's gone now. Yeah, right, exactly. Ground up fest is there all of a sudden. There's a whole yeah, right. art scene that's revitalized. And anyways. Um, he's the, he's the yeah. And um, so... Uh, I was just like, you know what, let's see what happens. And I moved to New York and I, I was crashing on couches and with friends for, for the first few months. Mm. And um, yeah, it just, it, but it, it snowballed into me being more proactive and I got a weekly. Because putting yourself in that position, you right. have to. That's right. You have to make it happen. That's you right. have to make it work. Right. Like, you know, right. I've moved to a couple of cities and it's just like, okay, well, if you, call yourself a bass player right. now's your chance right. to prove it kind of thing you know go ahead and meet totally people and that's right and and right and work on that aspect also of being a musician because yeah. it's not all about being home like this and you know practicing and working no. on your craft yeah, yeah you got to be you got to be personable you have to be able to interact with people be responsible and yeah 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 sometimes just do the job yeah for sure and that's another thing too yeah just do the job the other thing too is when you move to a new city there's it also it's so it it's so conducive to one thing that i really kind of it's not my motto necessarily but i you know i kind of i talk about it with most of my students is like uh when you're in a situation like that you have to almost say yes to every gig because you need to get out there you need to be seen and i love saying yes to almost every gig Mm. almost every gig no Mm. Uh, but really, you know, it's, it, first of all, it's a, it's a blessing if you can even make a living as a musician. Absolutely. So the idea to even turn down a gig is kind of like, wow, that's, you know, who are you, you know, yeah. kind of thing. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's built right into it. You're in a new city. You have to say yes to everything and anything. And I love doing that because that's because I never went to school and I never had a teacher. That's how I learned the most, mm. to be honest. And oftentimes the gigs where you maybe where you think, maybe I shouldn't do this gig a lot of the time. Those are the gigs that lead on to absolutely. Stuff. Well, I mean, the whole reason I was here in September was because I was with ASAP Rocky and um, I got that gig because he hired the band that I, I've been working with the last handful of years called Onyx Collective. Mm -hmm. And I got on that band because I played this gig uh, in Jersey. I filled a sub for this bassist who couldn't make it. <laughs> and Isaiah Barr, the saxophonist and, and uh, co-leader of Onyx Collective, mm -hmm. was playing, was filling in, playing some horn parts. And we're like, oh, yeah, you can play. Oh, he was like, oh, yeah, you can play too. It was like, all right, we'll keep in contact. And it was a gig that I would probably would not have been able to, to well, I wouldn't have taken it or who knows how I would have even gotten on that yeah. gig in this random place, meeting this person that I probably never would have crossed paths because there's an age difference as well too. Yeah. I'm, I'm the grandpa in the group, but uh, <laughs> but it, all of a sudden it goes for me filling in from a friend offering me a gig. Hey, can you, can you do this gig? It's like one rehearsal in a gig for like, 200 bucks I was like sure why not yeah to I'm in Australia <laughs> playing with ASAP Rocky That's so it. never say no to a gig yeah but if you do get a gig be prepared yeah that's right that's right always because like you're saying that's kind of your shop window mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. that's always yeah yeah um, and so the, the kind of musical environment that you were kind of grew up in in, in Florida music was kind of in the household, I'm guessing, and stuff like that. You had, you yeah. had access to yeah. to stuff. Yeah. Um, did you play other instruments as well? Yeah. I, um, um, so my mother um, got Julius and I involved. Our mom had, was more more of a catalyst in a lot of ways in terms of making music avail, available to my twin brother, Julius and I, mm. um, even when our father wasn't around much. And not only that, but also in terms of knowing what, what a path of musicianship can also lead to in terms of being busy and being away from family mm -hmm. and, you know, having prior priorities that maybe aren't necessarily conducive to building a family, which is a reality, uh, especially for a famous musician or a working musician, and especially at that time, too, in 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was a totally different scene. And yeah. the travel schedules and the way people connected and were interacting with each other. Totally and Yeah, completely different than what, what it is now, you know. Um, you can have a family now and be into and do FaceTime with your wow. kids. I yeah. hope so. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so... Um, so even going through all that stuff, she still encouraged us. So when we were five, she she put my my uh, my brother and I on violin, <laughs> which was brutal, from what I remember. For I everyone, yeah, for everyone. <laughs> so it didn't last long, and and then we took some uh, piano. Okay. When we were seven, which helped immensely. I uh, think I think piano at an early age definitely helps. Yeah. Give you that kind of. Yeah broad base of music yeah absolutely yeah it's i mean it wasn't it wasn't classically trained stuff uh but nonetheless just just i think a familiarity with that instrument as well mm. goes a long way just understanding and well it's independence like bass part and melody and exactly it's and independence of hands it's uh rhythm. right it's right rhythm exactly and like you're saying the compositionally har harmony exactly, yeah. everything yeah <clears throat> so um, did that for a little bit too, but um, 
listen to a lot a lot of music that was really mm-hmm. the majority of or or had the opportunity to go see a lot of live music too um actually one of my earliest memories i can remember seeing a band was and i'm not sure which one was first and and they're both kind of you know kind of cool considering what i've been doing and who i've played with but i definitely saw there used to be a a venue called musicians exchange in Florida, florida and it was this place that was part music store part rehearsal spaces and a venue all together upstairs and tons of people played there and it was kind of the hang and it was the spot to play um for for a long period of time actually my dad played there many many times and um and in fact, the guy who's he used to work a lot, the security guard used to babysit us. Sorry, sorry, mom. It's you. It's okay. You left us in the car and let the security guard watch us while you went upstairs. It was a different time. <laughs> it was a different time. Totally different time. <laughs> and um, um, oh wait, where was I going with this? We were, one of the first bands. Oh yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, Yellow Jackets. They had set up a stage oh. outside in the parking lot. And I remember seeing Jimmy Haslip standing on the stage and he looked like a giant. He's a big guy. He is a he's giant. a big guy. But he's also standing on the stage and I was like five, I think, or six or something. And I remember looking at this guy, I was like, what? And this guy's humongous. Um, and that, it was either that or Santana, which Cindy's, Cindy's yeah, now right. married to Carlos. And I remember, I remember being, I, I was super young. I was, I, we were like all in the tub, like me and my cousins or something. And, um, and my mom, my aunt Holly were on their way out, and they're like, "We're gonna go. We're gonna go see some music." And for some reason, my mom offered it to me, and was like, "Do you want to go?" And I was like, "Sure, why not?" Oh yeah, what does it mean? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and we walked to the back of um, I don't remember which or like venue. It was a large venue in South Florida, and I remember we just walked up to the back door and did one of those, knocked on the door, and my mom introduced herself and said, "You know, Carlos invited us out." and and next thing you know, he closes the door and then Carl's opens up, hey, and we're hanging out backstage and seeing music. So for me, that was a huge part of also the whole, you know, yeah, learning music for sure, uh, learning the instrument, but also learning the, the, the environment. Yeah, the, the humanity behind the musicianship and the music world. And, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And the connections. Like, yeah, totally. Um, most of my circle of friends, close friends, whatever, are involved in music in some shape or right. form right. you know it's, it's yeah it's a, it's a, it is a world that you're entering into like it's not like you finish your job at five and you right. come home and you're right. no longer right the office clerk it's right. like you're kind of always right a musician well it's also and not only that but it's also well yes you are but you it depends on your definition of musician also because a lot of times people's definition or what they they see someone standing on stage and that's what they see. Yeah. That's how they picture them the all the time. The that's, that's who they are 24 seven. <clears throat> when in fact, that's only them maybe two hours a night. Yeah. You know, and that's when they're on the road. Yeah. And there's a whole other world of, of being husbands and fathers and wives and aunts and, yeah. and, 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 you know, being actual people that's <laughs> which is crazy for some some people to even get into the and people still i meet people still nowadays and they're like wait jocko had kids i was like yeah he had he had, he a, had a whole family of course he did, yeah. <laughs> yeah you get quite a big family unit is this, um, or like extended family and yeah i mean yeah on um yeah on my father's side and my mom's side 
Um, there, there's, there's a decent size. Um, I met someone recently um, who's got like 41 first cousins, and it's not like that. Rita Satch, actually. <laughs> 41. <laughs> 41 first cousins, yeah, that's okay, pretty impressive. Yeah, that's a big fan. <laughs> I know. So it's not like that, but um, yeah, and most of them are still down in Florida. And uh, yeah, my father had four children, and now at this point, uh, six grandchildren. And um, yeah, but it's just funny to think that, you know, there's a complete disconnect sometimes. And But it makes sense because, I mean, look at the way that people are idolized and look at the way that they're... Yeah portrayed in social media yeah. and uh, I mean, same same would be for actors you yeah know? for sure 100 I mean, even me i don't i wouldn't really have a proper understanding of what you would go through before the movie comes out right. you know in terms of right. script readings right. and all that right. kind of stuff totally i'm sure it's just as much as, mm-hmm. as as you know musicians oh yeah for sure you think you'd ever end up back in florida um yeah absolutely um it's it's my home. I love yeah. I love that place, uh, and the majority of my family's still down there, uh, and I don't love them as much. But <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it, it it would be great to move back there. And again, the music scene's changing, and it's becoming more conducive to being becoming creative and mm. being around the right type of funding too. I mean, that's a huge part of being a musician and an artist too. Is not only trying to find the voice, but finding. The people that are willing to invest, not maybe not necessarily into you, yeah. person, you know, but but the the venues or yeah, the infrastructure or, yeah absolutely, <clears throat> and I feel like it's it's happening down there right now, yeah, and um, so it, there's definitely a possibility that I'll move there. New York's been great, yeah, but, but it's a grind. Yeah, it yeah. is a grind. Maybe some would you ever consider teaching in a institute or something? I would, um, I would do that. Um, I love teaching. Um, yeah, that that's something I, I've thought about, and you know, coming from coming from a place of I don't have a degree, mm. um, but you know the world is changing constantly. And look, Victor Wooten's teaching at Berkeley now, and he never went to school either. I'm not saying I'm Victor Wooten, but I'm just saying it's possible well, yeah. that you can you know not have a degree if if you have if you are capable of of you know. Communicating ideas. Yeah, that's really all it is. And you finished my line because I wasn't Sorry. possible to communicate <laughs> my idea at all. So I'm a terrible teacher, no, but, apparently. But you know, it, it is true. Like, because some of the best players don't make great teachers. Oh, it's so true. You well, know? it's the same thing in sports. Do this. It's the same thing in sports. Some of the best athletes no. are terrible coaches or terrible commentators on television. They have no personality whatsoever, yeah. and they're they're it's it, they can't convey what yeah. you know. Because you you have to, it's you have to have a certain degree of empathy. You have to understand what it's like for that student. Right. I think when you're going, no, it's this, and you put your hand here. Like remember what it was like for you. Right. Totally. (laughs) You know, and 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 understand that and patience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I've thought about possibly doing you know institution or uh, you know uh, school (laughs) school. (laughs) I know, Uh, insane asylum, and um, but. Um, I really enjoy doing one-on-one teaching a lot, mm. or or smaller group teaching. I, f- yeah. I feel like I can I can communicate a lot better, and and like I I never go into um, I've done some teaching over at like the Wounds Camp, and I've done some over at the Warwick Camp, mm. and I've done some clinics on my own too, uh, and I and um, 
Uh, I've sat in sat in on a on a ton of clinics with Jeff Coffin over the last almost twenty years. I've been playing with him, which is crazy. Um, and it's I never go into it with any pre plan of what I'm going to teach. I'd much rather it be an intuitive thing that is based off of what it is that the student needs mm. and what it is that I can somehow possibly fulfill in yeah. terms of either either bridging a gap or showing them a direction yeah you know and, and i think after you've been playing for long enough and teaching for long enough mm. you're kind of comfortable to do that mm. because you've got a, you know this kind of wealth of mm -hmm. experience and right. knowledge where you can go all right this is right. maybe something you might need and then not only that but also secretively don't tell anyone shh, but I feel, I feel like I feel like I feel like you can I can learn more too actually to be honest if I'm interacting with a student more one on one Definitely. yeah then I then a broad stroke of my what this is what we're going to learn today yeah I'm just regurgitating something that I've Essentially, been, you're just like a living book right basically that's right <laughs> totally context, yeah. yeah and that's why I like doing you know doing like the the video based lessons thing mm. where I like you know I find it hard because you got to you got to talk the whole time. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. got to do the whole lesson. Whereas, right. in a real life situation, you go, it's you know, to try this, and then mm. you get the feedback, and then there's, it's a two way thing. Right. Whereas, like the the lecture or the clinic or or the the online thing is just a one way. Absolutely stream. no, I know. I don't know how some of you guys do it, Yannick. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he, he's yeah another level yeah it's good. and scott too i mean it's yeah. great what those guys do and they've changed the landscape of teaching too it's really wonderful yeah and there is there is definitely some there's definitely merit in that and mm -hmm. there's definitely a future for mm -hmm. that you know it's just difficult to sit in front of the camera I and know. your base and go <laughs> is this making sense yet? right exactly <laughs> raise your hand if you don't get this <laughs> yeah. yeah um maybe to talk a little bit about your experience at um, at Vic's Nature oh, yeah. Camp. Totally. That was a, a formative thing for you? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, my brother Julius and I and our friend Adam Lucas, um, we were all invited to go to his camp. Uh, one of his first ones, I don't, I'm not, I don't remember specifically if it was the first camp or the second one. Um, so this is a little while ago then? Yeah, a little while ago. And we were invited to go there, not as students and not as teachers, just to hang out which was wonderful, you know, and, but we could, we, you know, we can be involved with as, with as little or as much what as we wanted want. to. And um, that was really, really great uh, to be around and just to see that type of, cause that to me, that was much closer to the type of schooling that I was sure. doing yeah. with myself at that point, you know, yeah. it, it was, uh, yeah, so, um, building fires and uh, doing yoga in the morning and um, tracking and um, yeah, it's a really wonderful experience. Uh, I was actually just talking to Cindy about this last week too. I would love to maybe try to get her and the band over there, uh, do a clinic one day if we're, ever, you know, if, if, if it comes to that or we're capable in the, in the neck of the woods, but it's, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It's like 50 minutes outside of Nashville. Which is beautiful too, though too. I think that's a huge part of why I'm so drawn to it. Also, is the removal of it being within this, you know, it can be sterile at least yeah. aesthetically. A lot of times, it's sterile, not necessarily sterile with the with the you know the students yeah. and the and the teacher, but just your surroundings. Exactly. Yeah. And to be out in the middle of nowhere 
and you're walking in between like cabins and, and places as you're rotating with teachers and it's I don't know it's just a different thing and mm. being out in fresh air and having a different association with music you know um, different perspective on yeah it. it's really really quite something um, so yeah I went to a couple of those uh, when I was younger <clears throat> and um, and then at one point uh, Vic offered me you know an opportunity to teach at a couple and I've done that as well uh, and it's it's wonderful it's it's a lot of fun you get a, how, how many kind of students attend it like what's the it depends it fluctuates yeah and um, but on average I would say there's probably about maybe 20 students up to 20 yeah 15 to 20 students per class okay uh, but it's but it's uh, per group and mm -hmm. sometimes there's four or five groups okay so about 100 yeah yeah. So. yeah it can be and uh, yeah it's and then he has the required amount of teachers teaching mm. um, yeah it's I highly you know it's it's an experience I highly recommend if anyone given the opportunity um, it's just it's a different way of, of did it kind of light like some kind of other musical fire in you you know like oh there's another way of doing this or uh, well I was I feel like I was already kind of on my own path and and not necess not necessarily it, maybe just affirmation reaffirmation yeah. you know just kind of like this is great to to have um, uh, this other foundation this other way of building upon on music instead of looking at it from a yeah. It, I mean, it's it's been funneled down, and there's nothing wrong with it, and it comes from the greats, and uh, there's you know tons of information to learn from this stuff. But a lot of times, also, it's amazing how many musicians kind of gets they stumble when they don't even just listen, or 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 like you use the word empathetic. I think that's the perfect word mm. for being a musician, especially with with one that maybe doesn't go to school. I feel like if you can't read. Or, which is true. There's no such thing as I can kind of read. There's no such thing. Either you can read or you can't. <laughs> if you can't read um, and you, you don't have a lot of music theory, it doesn't mean you can't play music. Um, and in fact, a lot of times, musicians that don't have those things, are usually from, from what I've... And I'm not saying this is a way to go about it and forget everything you're doing and like not you know don't mm. study other books or don't go to school. That's not at all what I'm saying. But there, there's other things that happen sometimes. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes you actually have better memory because you're not reading charts. You have to memorize everything. You have to internalize it. Yeah, internalize it, totally. And then on top of that, if you haven't internalized it or memorized it, you have to depend on your ear. Mm -hmm. You know? So you're engaged in Exactly, totally. So there, there are intuitive things that kind of naturally happen from those situations. Yeah. And I feel like Victor actually is, is you know, he that's a huge part of his whole I don't know if you've ever seen any of his yeah, lessons yeah. or the yeah. way he teaches and the stuff totally, he talks yeah. about it's almost never about music theory ever yeah yeah yeah, yeah so Using philosophy almost. yeah totally yeah. yeah but on that's a kind of little aside to that mm. you know it's just it's it, it is a language you know and it can be a written language or an oral language or to some extent a visual language right no for sure and if if you can read, then it just means you can maybe assimilate that stuff quicker. Oh, absolutely. And easier. Well, there, there's, there is a huge 
um, issue with with musicians who are incapable of reading or writing music, mm. and that is it takes much longer to learn a song or teach a song. Exactly, <laughs> much longer, uh, or to convey an idea. Totally, you, know? you can literally just scribble down a rhythmic pattern and hand to someone and be like, "There's our song." C sharp. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, I mean, like my, my gig on Friday, like. Right. We hadn't played a couple of the songs or weren't one of the songs, and I had done some charts on Sibelius, which right. I hate. <laughs> You're a finale guy, Not or you yet. just don't like the you don't like the digital uh, stuff? I, no, I, I I'm fine with digital no. stuff. I just suck at Sibelius. It oh, you suck so at it. Long. <laughs> but for like transpositions and checking. Oh, scores right, and right, stuff, right, right, right. With an right. eight-piece band, it's right for me. I need, no, of course, I, right. I it's a much larger band, right? It's not just a lead sheet. No, it's I forgot. Not just a lead That's sheet, right. You know, I'm, so I forgot. That's no, right. No, it's all got like you know three-part horns. Yeah, no, I know. So and even if it's just a small section that you're writing out, it could still take. Yeah, yeah, I know. So having having that you know that basic capacity to write out the melody. And give it to the guys who can then read it on the gig. You would never be able to show up on a gig yeah. and convey that much information no. to that many guys and without it. And we wouldn't be able to do the song. So That's right. even though it wasn't perfect, right. it was like... No, agreed. Got it across the line uh, to some one, extent. Well, and, and again, that that's that stuff is still also included at Victor's camp too. He doesn't. He doesn't. Exactly. It, no, he, it's not like that's no, bad or this is good. It's absolutely, just like, absolutely. It's all the same thing. Right, it's just that's you right. have to approach it. Whether well, you read or not, you right. have to approach it with that same philosophy well he's he's trying to again associate music with other things that are going on but also tie into what it is that you know he's not telling you to forget anything he's telling you to bring in um other aspects of playing that sometimes get forgotten about or left aside because you become dependent on a chart in front of you Mm. you become less of 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 a musician on stage with other musicians yeah. you're almost only like this you yeah. know and it happens a lot i mean when you do clinics when i do clinics at high schools it's unbelievable the lack of communication in a high school band between mm-hmm. other musicians in the band not all of them there's some great but middle school too especially middle school it's crazy like no no one is interact no one's looking at anybody because <laughs> all the information's on the page apparently. i know i know yeah it is it's, it is kind of like Flipped on its head, yeah, a yeah. lot of the time. Um, seeing a fair bit of ink, oh yeah, happening. Yeah. How did what? How? Why? When? when? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I got this one when I was eighteen. <clears throat> actually, yeah, I got this right, right before a Victor Wooten camp. Actually, I remember now. <clears throat> um, I just I walked into I was. Not babysitting because he was old enough at the time, but I was watching a friend. I was kind of being the big brother and in, 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 in charge and taking him into tattoo shops when his parents were so you're being responsible. <laughs> totally responsible. <laughs> he wanted he wanted to go t- into this tattoo shop for some reason, and um, I was like, cool. You know, we're driving around, and I was like, cool. Let's go check it out. And and he wanted to get a tattoo really really bad, and the guy wouldn't let him. And <laughs> and he said, well, you're old enough. I'll I'll buy your tattoo. Do you want to get a tattoo? And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> so you took, <laughs> I took his and you got a tattoo yeah. and he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That, as you can tell, that's why I quit drinking. <laughs> that situation right there. No. <laughs> um, uh, that's where it started. Yeah, no, it was, and it went a long time before, many, many years before I got another tattoo. I, I wanted to get one. My mom cried immediately when she saw it. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, um, but I had already had like uh, pierced ears mm. and and all of those things would have been um, not even possible if my father was still around. He was against all that type of stuff, 100%. Body changing stuff. Absolutely. I mean, he was raised Catholic and he was an altar boy and any type of piercings or tattoos would have been a no-go. Um, but um, yeah, and my mom hate, you know, but we, we had, we had uh, piercings somewhat early on and she didn't hate it, but she was like, okay, I guess that's on you for the rest of your life. And uh, I went a few more years until I got another one. And then it just kind of turned into, I don't know. It's There's never really been like a, it's never been like a heavily thought out. Well, no, if you can, if you can tell also, and, and you know, like this is a drawing my father did. This is on my, my parents' bedroom wall. Uh, this is my mom with her arm around my, br my brother and I. Huh. And this was on our bed, her, their bedroom wall. And this, uh, there's another drawing here my father did. And it's, I don't have very um, standard uh, uh, tattoos in terms of like aesthetically. I don't have, a, it isn't traditional. It isn't, style, right. So. It, it isn't like the mainstream stuff that are, uh, most people are, are available to them. Um, a lot of this stuff is kind of just... It, of the moment of the moment and uh, you know none of this stuff you can really get this? off of a wall yeah yeah Did heart that, that, that hurt it does hurt yeah, yeah. a lot of them hurt <laughs> <laughs> and punk jazz yeah punk jazz That's and yeah um i got this one in tokyo i found this on this on the street in tokyo uh, i got this one here um i found this uh, on the street as well Crop too. circle <laughs> yeah exactly it does look like one but that looks like a treble club almost yeah which i thought was well, when, really... I, when i just saw for that yeah, part totally like right that. um i got this in new zealand in september no worries no worries <laughs> <laughs> um you really don't like yourself do you? no no to be honest actually i don't you know for me i actually look at in terms of more the house i grew up in my mom decorated the house or not really decorated it she collected things and put things in our house that it turned it almost more like into a museum of some sort. And it was it was extremely eclectic and mm. there were things from all over the world and all over the place and tons of instruments, you know, that we didn't even maybe play. If she saw an instrument, she, she would get it. At a yard sale, she'd pick it up and bring it to the house. So we had tons of stuff, banjo, accordion, trumpet, saxophone, you know, uh, drums, piano, upright bass, just tons of different random stuff in our house, nose percussive flutes. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Nose flutes, all that stuff, and 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 that was just the instruments and, and musical gear. There was tons of other stuff too. So I grew up, in, you know, in the way the house was. So mishmash. Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, you know, um, it was a controlled chaos for sure. It could it could be overwhelming for some people yeah. for sure. Uh, um, but I, the, I love the house that I, I love the house that I grew up in and most people loved it too, but it was a lot to take in sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, my mom was very open door to most musicians too. And mm -hmm. most students, anybody who wanted to come, you know, talk about my father and experience things firsthand and see certain things firsthand. My mom was always yeah. open and willing, uh, to share a certain perspective of my father that most people didn't know about. Mm. And, um, but I kind of look at my body in terms of the house that I grew up in as well, too. Okay. To be honest. Did you get a, you get anything done in Melbourne? Yeah, I got this here. Oh, okay. And then I got this I got this Escher thing here, which is let's see, I don't want 
scratch it too much. This oh, is because a, the, the, the exhibits? Like yeah, MC Escher. And my mother was born in Indonesia, but uh, she did uh, most of her schooling or her, her uh, uh, formative years in, in Holland, in Den Haag. Mm. and uh, grew up speaking Dutch. And in our house, we grew up with a lot of artwork as well. Mm. And MC Escher was one of her favorites. And um, I went to go see, before coming here, there was an Escher exhibit actually in Brooklyn, uh, Industry City, in the same, literally the same building as Fodera, one over, like, uh, you know, a stairwell over. And I went over there to check that out. And then I get here and there's this amazing exhibit. Yeah. Again, it's almost like omens, it's like, Hello. Escher, Escher. It's a sign. I, tra I travel all the way around the world and I see another Escher exhibit, which was amazing uh, in, in uh, conjunction with this really great Japanese artist, Nendo. Right. And um, yeah, and I saw this, I was like, I love that. So I thought I'd get that. And then I got my dog tattooed here too. <laughs> my little chihuahua I got right here, Hendrix. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, under my heart. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a romantic like that. <laughs> Um, and so, what, like you were saying, one of your kind of longest musical relationships is with Jeff Coffin and the, the Mutet. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about that band and, and what it is, because it kind of, it's kind of chameleon-like, you know, mm. you listen to... It. Well, hence the name. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. How's that influenced you? Huge influence on my life. I mean, it, it actually... Um, you know, a lot of times when I when I talk, um, when I do interviews or I, I talk at clinics or I'm giving a clinic or even during lessons, and uh, a lot of times there's this question that comes about talking about who who do you listen to, who are you listening to now, who are your biggest influences, yeah. and um, to be honest, it almost always is the musicians I'm playing with at that time. It's not that I don't listen to a lot of stuff, but for me, my biggest influences are what I'm currently doing. Like, usually, you know, if I'm playing with Cindy last week, I'm listening to her music. Yeah. You know, I'm totally enveloping myself in the project of what I'm doing. So that's what I'm listening to. That's my biggest inspiration. Sure. That's, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so having said that, because I've spent so much time with Jeff, he's a huge part of, uh, you know, my my mm. career and my my a path thus far and not just work-wise just in terms of the type of you know anyways he's he's been great yeah um i met um i met victor at a um at a larry graham show graham central station show in new york city when i was 14 i was standing in the audience with my mom uh, my uncle neil hiram bullock his girlfriend jennifer uh and we were like right off of the stage and um and for some reason I was scoping around the room and I saw Victor standing a little bit further back behind That's us. So cool. And I I was I was like knock I was like elbowing my mom, I was like, I think that's Victor Wooten. <laughs> she was like, Go say hi to him, I'm watching the show. <laughs> Larry Graham's on stage, go say hi. <laughs> what are you doing talking about? No. Larry Graham. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm watching the show, go say hi. What do you think you're doing? And uh so I introduced myself, and I, I believe he was he was out on a maybe not necessarily on a day, but he was out with Holly that night, the mother of his children, and and I got to meet him there, and we kept in contact, and um, I went to you know I went to go see his solo shows uh, when he was when it was just um, you know him and and um, 
and JD, and yep. they were playing small little hole in the wall clubs and, in West Palm Beach. Like uh, bikewear. Yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> right, that, totally. And you know, he wasn't filling out huge places at that point. I mean, he was known, but he was Good, make, he yeah. was still working and doing his thing, you know, and uh, and. Um, and so kept in touch, you know, would see that and obviously see the Flectones and met Jeff at one of them. And then next thing I know, um, oh, it was after one of the camps, actually. Victor had never seen me play or heard me play prior to going to one of the camps, okay. which is also a huge thing about you know, me going to one of those was that ability to yeah, connect and, and, um, and be encouraged mm. by him. And so uh, apparently... Uh, Jeff's bassist uh, that he had recorded with or was planning on using was un, 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 unavailable for this tour, three-week tour. Um, and Jeff asked Vic if he would be interested, and Vic said he couldn't do it uh, because of his schedule. And then Jeff said, well, do you recommend anyone? And Vic said, well, you know, this kid might be able to do it. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm crashing on a friend's couch in Tampa, uh, uh, practicing on my acoustic ovation acoustic and That's uh, a workout. yeah exactly <clears throat> and um, and I get a phone call from Jeff Coffin and and I knew who he was and we had in passing mm. communicated but it was still like you know tectones and you know associated with association with Victor Wooten and and you know that whole thing and I was like Oh, hey Jeff, what's, what's going on? And he was like, "Well, Vic, you know, recommend you for for this gig." And as soon as he said that, I, I was like, "Oh no, I have to take it now." <laughs> like you don't turn down a gig that Victor Wooten recommends for you. Yeah. You know, you don't ever do that. First of all, you don't turn down a gig. That that's the world I live in. But especially if someone like Victor Wooten, off, you know, recommends yeah. you for the gig. So um, no pressure. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I couldn't read at all. To be honest, very little, which was you know again, which is none basically, right? It's not like he throws something on in front of me on stage. Oh, yeah. yeah, and he had all of these because of his influence of being in the Flectones at that point. He had a lot of odd meter stuff, some wacky wacky tunes in terms of mm. um, rhythmically that were just like, whoa! I really got it. Like, and how, how long before the tour was this? Oh wow! Um, hmm. How long ago would... Like, do you have a couple of maybe, months to, to I, work I this stuff up? I think so. But I didn't have... Like, I didn't have a computer. And I don't think there... I mean, Dropbox might have been around. I don't know. Okay. I didn't have any music until I got there, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you kept you on. He did. And it, it's, been a, it's been a tumultuous relationship. <laughs> no. Uh, it, he's one of my dear friends and because of him I've had the opportunity to play with many other musicians yeah. and like you said the band has morphed and mutated uh, yeah. with with many different musicians in the band who's over the, the years. Who's the drummer? And um, so originally it was uh, the first time was Tommy Jean Petro okay. um, uh, alumni from University of Miami actually and then uh, the second time out or not the second time, but the second version of the group mm. was with Dorico. Dorico okay. Watson, do you know him? Dorico Yeah, he's... Dorico? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it was Derico. Yeah. Uh, or Dorito. <laughs> it's just, no. Uh, and, uh, and then another version of it was with um, 
with Roy, Future Man. Right. And then another version, version was with Jeff Seip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and that's just the drummers. I mean, mm. all the other instruments have changed multiple times cool. too. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And I haven't been the only bassist either. He's used other basses too as yeah. well. Uh, Adam Needy's done some <clears throat> tours. Uh, Alana Rockland. I don't know if you know who she is. She's no. a great bassist also. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot of great. And then on top of not only having the opportunity to play with a lot of great musicians, and also being associated with. I mean, I've been going to Nashville now for twenty years, which is great. Um, mm. Um, uh, but also be having implemented the whole teaching aspect as well in terms of clinics. Almost every tour we've been on, we've had at least one clinic. Go to some college or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. College, high school, middle school, um, music stores, um, I mean, all over the place. Yeah. And yeah, it's been great for me. Um. Good way to to cover your costs. Yeah, totally. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, um, and how did you arrive at the, the Federa? I mean, were you yeah. were you four string at the start? Like, what was your? Yeah, I'm still four string. I just I just tried to ignore the other two strings. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I've actually known Federa for I've known Vinny and Joey for quite some time now. Actually, it was the same trip um, that when when, uh, when I met Victor, right. uh, oddly enough. Um, or perfect, actually. Apropos, um, uh, when I was fourteen, my mom brought us over to to their shop, and um, you know I was slowly but surely becoming a fan of bass and bassists, mm-hmm. <laughs> regardless of who my father was. Uh, Until you like and f- is. Four, f- fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, I, you know, it was like for me, I was like starting to <clears throat> learn about what was going on outside of the music that I was. Sure. You know, I was really into some of the alternative rock stuff, and it was a really good death metal scene. In yeah, yeah, no, there was, <laughs> um, and so, so for me, I was, I wasn't totally aware of like the the Michael Mann rings. And uh, you know, and Victor even yeah. until I heard about him, and and um, even Patitucci, to be honest, even though I knew of Chick Corea, but I was m- more listening to the older stuff. I wasn't aware of the new, the new electric stuff that was going on. Yep. Uh, to be honest, and uh, but then I started like all of a sudden collecting like pamphlets from the bass companies, and you know, uh, reading Bass Player Magazine for the first time. Bass Player Magazine. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, which I still never got a free subscription, but I'm just no, I'm just sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, no hard feelings whatsoever. Uh, and <laughs> it's only been 25 years late. No, I'm just. <laughs> uh, never think about it. No, anyways. <laughs> um, I started becoming a fan, so mom knew, that, uh, you know, about it, and she wanted to take us over to the shop, and we met the guys, and um, and I've kept a close relationship since. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, it's been what, 23 years now and, um, they've been nothing but, uh, helpful and, yeah. and have you had, have you had a few iterations before the one that you had? So I had a bass given to me on my 21st birthday, right? which was an, an, an amazing gift. And, um, From yeah, which I returned immediately. No, no I'm just <laughs> it was a fretless five string emperor. Uh, and a gorgeous bass, um, and then um, 
I was living in, was I in New York yet? I don't know if I was in New York yet. No, I didn't have it. It was still, I was still in California, but I was in New York and I brought it with me. And I told him, listen, man, listen, guys, I think I want to get this fretted. Can you put frets? In yeah, there? can you put too fret? Hard. Yeah, like, it is way is too dumb. hard. Why would anyone ever want to play fretless? It's, yeah. it's so out of tune constantly. Yeah, yeah. Like, All these it, weird slides and has stuff. Has anyone ever even made it work? So I'm good. I don't know. Like. Right. Um, and because um, I wanted to play it more, and you can play it in a lot of a lot of scenarios. Obviously, as my father has shown you, and even Les Claypool, who slaps on a fretless. You know, it can be used in many different things. Gary Willis and Gary Willis, obviously, of course. Um, but um, for me, I felt like fretted was more of where I was going, especially, especially if the portal stuff. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's right. So um, it was it, that was kind of more the direction I was going, and then and then I just we went a, a while with I didn't actually have a Federa. And, but I mean, we were still hanging out, and at one point I had this Lorcella, um, um, Joey's last name. Oh, okay. Uh, I had this uh, Lorcella bass that was a prototype of this, uh, which I don't. They turned into uh, um, F clef basses, is what they turned into right. eventually. Yep. And I had a prototype of that, which I played for many years, a five string. It was like a jazz kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. And that was kind of my main bass for quite some time. Okay. And, and then I lost it. And I didn't have a bass for a while, and I borrowed uh, my friend Mike Bendy's five-string uh, Imperial, and um, I used that, and that's what I actually I had to borrow it because um, I was also I got the Yellow Jackets gig, and I needed a bass. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do this gig? Yeah. <laughs> Let me get a bass. I just gotta get a bass. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly, and. Um, <laughs> Eventually, they said, they were like, okay, I think you're old enough. You're grown up enough. You should own your own bass. And they were like, and you should get a six string. Because a lot of the stuff we were playing was obviously half slip yep. uh, based, you know, for lack of a better term. And, uh, um, and it was more conducive to play a, f uh, a six string with a yep. low B because I was playing a five string with a high C. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. So, um, which who, who, by the way, who started that first? Was it? Five string with high C? Yeah. That was Dominique, right? Yeah. I think he was the first, maybe? Or was there someone else? Or, or what's his name? Maybe. Anyways. Uh, yeah, that, that, that thing. Which... Oh, Igor Saavedra. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. He's, uh, he's on eight, eight string now. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh. But he's been doing that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. No. Anyways, uh, they were like, yeah, so I... I was born a Federa. I knew them for quite some time, and I was like, "Hey guys, you know, I think I think I need to get a bass actually." So, we went through the process of building this thing for me, and uh, you know, through through our relationship, it's it was it made a lot of sense. And living in New York and having them right there sure. and being able to any you know. Did, so did you go around to like tap on the, the wood? Yeah, and did all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is it a standard model? Like, is it a pretty much? Yeah, it's uh, it's an Emperor II body, but um, it has quite a few more um, frets on it. There's no space at all for slapping. I gave up slapping a long time ago. <laughs> um, I just it's um, I I occasionally when I in the moment yeah. I, I play based solely on again based great uh, on you know 
the moment, what's happening on stage, what sure. the music, you know, I'm, I'm for the music first, what is required at that moment. Mm. And occasionally I might slap and it does happen. It's very rare. Uh, uh, but um, I just, I wanted more frets. And um, so, yeah, a little bit more of a cutout, more yeah. frets, m much wider spacing. It, I mean, the spacing on the thing, you played it, it's, it's massive. Yeah, it's like a freeway. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Uh, but it's 33 inch scale, so it's shorter, so yeah, I can compensate for that. It is. It's surprisingly playable. Yeah, I yeah. know. And you got flat ones. Flat ones on it. Sadowski yeah. flat ones. Uh, Diodario. Diodario flat ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They look similar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you play Sadowski, I guess. Yeah, I, I played Sadowski strings a lot, and mm. then I just recently got into Ken Smith strings. Oh, nice. Yeah, they do these yeah. like bright nickels. Yeah, killer. Really like. For, for the 70s jazz bass mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, really killer. consistent. And yeah, that's basically, I, for the most part, I almost always went back to nickel for some reason. Mm. Um, occasionally I would string up steel on those, or, or any of my basses, to be honest. But putting those flat ones on this bass uh, last year has, has been. Mm. The only thing is that now I don't know how to write off all the strings I purchased. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, please edit that out. <laughs> That's, that's going to be the promo. Question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, but I, I haven't changed them in months, and it feels great, and it has a certain tone to it, and it's and the neck pickup on on that bass, because of the width of 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 the, of the string spacing, um, uh, the the bridge can sometimes miss occasionally, somewhat a little bit, and or it doesn't have the same volume. It seems like. I think that's normal. Yeah, right. But uh, but the but the neck on that bass with the flat wounds, it sounds huge. Mm. It sounds massive. Yeah. Um, and through a, a, like a large amp, nice stack. I mean, it's sounds it's great. really it sounds great and yeah. even passive. It's yeah. crazy. And you generally play passive. You're yep. saying. Yeah. Well, passive. pretty much only passive, unless there's a gig that requires it or a recording session that requires sure. it. And some pedals. Yeah, um, I have, I have a, I have a, kind of a bunch of different things I've been using recently. Mm. But I have go-to's that I kind of have always. You got like some chains uh, or. Yeah. So right now, the one that I have with me right now is, um, I have this pedal board that I put together for the ASAP Rocky gig, and I have my tuner that goes into um, my Boss synth. And then uh, from that, it goes into, uh, which one is my, the Red Witch, I think? Or no, the DOD. I think I have the meat box. The meat box, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, the speaker destroyer. Yeah, that's right. Uh, which, when I was playing with, with Aesop Rocky on these huge festivals, yeah. it was. In massive <laughs> it was crazy like yeah no it was everyone everyone would be like what how are you getting that sound they couldn't believe it you and know it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally um yeah and then i have what else do i have on there Shit, i can't remember um so no like chorus or reverb or delays or anything. so i do have that at, at uh, when i yeah when i play with my band yeah. uh back home and some of my <clears> own <throat> projects like uh hipster assassins and uh, social experiment i have much i have a few more things that i add to it yeah. yeah um so um i have i have a couple um i have the the ring thing 
by EHX, Electro Harmonics. And then I have uh, Cathedral also by them. Reverby. Yes, delay-ish thing too. Uh, and I love those two things. It's nothing too, they're not too complex at all. For textural, yeah, kind of, totally. with, obviously with, mm -hmm. the, with some kind of octave or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. into well, the ring thing is kind of my go-to. If if I'm going to bring one pedal with me, if I'm going out for a stint on something, I almost always bring that. Yeah, right. Uh, because I can get a chorus sound out of it. Mm. I can get an octave sound out of it. I can get a bit like a bit crunch kind of sound out mm. of it. Uh, I can get like a detuned thing, coursey, but more detuned, yeah. uh, and. Um, uh, and it's also a ring modulator, hence the name ring thing. <laughs> uh, so to me, that's kind of my go-to. I love having that thing with me. Yeah. Because um, I can get a lot done with it. Because yeah. for me, it's all about simplicity and not having to <laughs> learn too much about yeah. too many pedals. But I'm getting more into it recently. And um, I know Kevin, Kevin Scott. Yeah. He's, he's in his <sighs> He gets some pedals. great sounds. Yeah. 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 Uh, and we're all influenced greatly by Timofey, uh, obviously. Absolutely. Um, and... Um, yeah, those two guys, for anyone who's wanted to check out some pedals, and Juan already too, actually, yeah. is oh, like the, he's the go-to. I bought so many pedals because, <laughs> because of the pedals and effects. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's, I know, yeah. But they've all been, you know, I've gotten like, yeah, it's... Totally worth, yeah, yeah, it's totally worth it. And for me, that's the other thing too, and that's another, that's a great thing to touch on for me also is, it's great to be inspired by pedals, and it's great to have a, a texture, you know, there's nothing more. I'm more jealous than than a keyboard player going like this, boop, and all of a sudden they have a great sound, and they're they're yeah. they're playing their butt off because it sounds great because yeah. they're inspired again immediately. You know, definitely. Um, and although there can be a trap when it comes to that, because sometimes you fall into this is my sound or this is I need this pedal to get to a place, sure, which is uh, you know unfortunate in some scenarios. Mm. Uh, so it's great to go back and forth. I love yeah. I love going to rehearsals without any of my pedals. Mm. Uh, I love going on tours without any of my pedals and balancing it, going back and forth. Yeah. Um, and occasionally having it. You should but, be able to kind of figure out a way of making it work without them. That's right. Absolutely. But it can right. happen. And, and there's no better way to work on your technique too than to not have pedals because mm. as soon as you rely on <clears throat> an effect or a sound that can dictate how you feel, yeah. then you're you're ignoring some other aspects of your playing. Yeah. Or you can be. They are fun, though. Yeah, yeah, they are fun, absolutely, and expensive. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I spend a lot of time on like eBay or whatever. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Grab stuff. You buy stuff, and you can sell it for. Yeah, no, that's, for, so that's so true. Yeah, and also having said that, having hated on effects pedals, uh, now the the other upside though, or if there isn't, there's something to to. Um, have, getting to an upside with playing with pedals, I highly recommend practicing with them. And I, what I mean by practicing with them is not not doing your practice or what you would be practicing on your instrument. I mean practicing the the box itself. Yeah, get like to know it. like really mess with it. I am. I've been. I've been known, and I, I. It's the worst. It'll come out of the box, and I'll play it, and I'll set a bunch of settings, and that's it. And then I don't touch it for years. And then you turn up to the gig, and something's changed, and you're like. <laughs> That's not right. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, spend time with it. Spend a day with it at least. Yeah, uh, and really get to know. And then and go back to it also. Even if you've had it for a year or two, <clears throat> go Definitely. back to it and spend a whole day with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's next for you after after Melbourne? Um, I'm gonna go back to New York and I'm gonna go for a bike ride. And Central Park. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
I have I had some gigs lined up for for next month. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how many of them are going on at the moment. Um, I'm pretty sure I have a hipster assassins gig. This is like March. Yes, March. Yes, uh, March 15th or 16th, I believe. I'm at 55. 16th is my birthday. Okay. Happy, happy birthday, so, early you know, birthday. If you want to yeah. buy me a present. There you go. A plane ticket? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, just a ticket for oh. the show. I'll get a plane ticket. <laughs> You're on the list. You're on the list. That's easy. Um, but um, I'm, I'll be getting ready. Also, April, I'm going out with um, with this project venture with uh, Mark Sherman on vibes and um, Chase Baird on saxophone. He's been playing with Antonio Sanchez. Okay. And he's got a great project of his own, a great new uh, album that he put out too. And then Mike Clark on drums. Cool. Uh, we recorded an album last year or the year before. I can't remember. Anyways, um, we're going to be doing a Europe tour in April. Uh, and then I get back in May. I'm going to go out with Cindy again uh, in Tokyo. Nice. And it's a month-to-month thing. And I, I fill it up with other random stuff. I play with a lot of different... You know, I've, I've been doing some stuff with Chris Bullock from Snarky Puppy with his own project. Oh, yeah. He released a new album recently too, which is great. Um, and uh, I do some stuff with this band called uh, Jazz's Fish. Uh, that is, uh, it's it's a fun, interesting band with a lot of great musicians in it. Yeah. And it's never the same lineup. Uh, and um, you can tell by the name, it's Fish Music. And it's I guess it's done in a jazz way. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but it's mostly us just getting together and playing a lot of music with a bunch of friends getting together. It's, it can be fun. And we, we, I tour with that occasionally in small little areas. Um, and then I also have this other project, um, which I'll be working on when I get back home called Elliot's Girls Chorus, mm-hmm. which is this, um, it's this female choir, all female choir, uh, with, uh, uh, with a guitar and bass and it's basically punk music ish romantic punk music sorry romantic punk music that's awesome yeah romantic punk music yeah so I, there's a lot of different moving parts i yeah. think there's some other things too that i'm doing occasionally here and there and like your, you know your musical uh, uh you know your musical outlets mm-hmm. are as eclectic and varied as your house you grew up <laughs> in and your, and your tattoos with, with your, my birthmarks yeah exactly yeah yeah it's, it is it's, it's a common thread yeah well, I think, again, because I never went to school, I feel like, you know, I, and I, I don't mean to keep harping on that like it mm. means anything other than just, I love the ability to go out and play different genres of music with different people. It's all music. Yeah, absolutely. And work on, work on different aspects of my playing. You know, for me, it's never about how little a bass part is, because actually, to be honest, some of those are the hardest gigs for me to really work on because I focus primarily on tone and dynamics uh, and, you know, note duration mm. and like really try to nail the parts, you know, and oh, I'll be doing stuff with Onyx too, probably. And Jeff Coffin also, Onyx Collective and Jeff Coffin. It's all over the place and <laughs> spinoffs from all that stuff too. Um, but yeah, I love being able to play all genres of music because you can learn something from any of them, to be exactly, honest. Yeah. To be honest, there's yeah. like just pocket and everything. It's, yeah, even country music. In fact, bluegrass music is is crazy. Heavy. Yeah, yeah, heavy, heavy, heavy. Yeah. yeah. Um, we better wrap it up there because cool. you got some beach time. Right? I do have some beach time yeah. before I go back to New York. Um, again, man, thanks very much, Craig. Thank you for having me. It's Pleasure. Been great having Absolutely. Felix Pastores, everybody. Cool. <laughs> thanks, man. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
Thank you.